0: The issue raised in the gospel this morning is this one, the question, how many will be saved? How many will be saved? It's a little thorny, a little thorny question. It can be sensitive and it arouses a lot of really passionate answers. It can even arouse some anxiety and doubt around it. Am I to be saved? Am I to be saved? What can I rely on? How do I know if I'm to be saved? It's also an important issue. Salvation, of course, is our goal. This life is temporary, but the next lasts forever. And we want to be with Jesus in the next life forever. But in the end, as this issue is raised today, and as Jesus is asked about it, Jesus doesn't give a number of how many will be saved. But he points out two wrong answers, and then he recommends an attitude of heart. To understand Jesus' words today, remembering the context, I think, really helps. Jesus is asked, Lord, will only a few be saved? Now remember that this is a Jewish man asking Jesus among a Jewish crowd, and Jesus is a teacher among the Jews at this point. And so when Jesus is asked the question, will only a few, what the man who's asking the question is probably thinking about is the Jewish people the chosen nation, those who follow the covenant and the laws which God has given. When he asks only a few, he's probably thinking about the Jewish nation. On the other hand then, the many who will not be saved by implication is everyone else, the Gentiles, in his mind. And so he's probably asking this question. Will only us few, the chosen people, The people God chose as his own possession out of all other nations. Is salvation only for us? Jesus' response rejects that, to be sure. But the image isn't all that comforting. It's a little chilling. Jesus describes this scene where a man knocks at the door, and the master has already gone to sleep, and he is not able to enter in. And he kind of gives this image of the heroes of Israel, the great prophets like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all else. They are all saved. They're all in the kingdom. But someone physically near Jesus, living near Jesus during his early life, is locked out. And the man pleads with the master and says, we ate and drank in your company. We ate and drank in your company and you taught in our, in our streets, I know you, I've seen you. In other words, Jesus speaking to the man says with this chilling image, actually, actually the sad irony is that some who admire the great prophets and the patriarchs will actually find themselves on the opposite side. The question is, will only us few, the Jews, will only us few be saved, will actually Even those who admire Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, through whom God spoke, the irony is, even those who admire them, some of them will not make it. Again, it's a sad and chilling image, to be sure. But, don't misunderstand, it's not meant to discourage in any way. It's not meant to discourage in any way or cause anxiety about salvation. It's supposed to do precisely the opposite. What's being rejected in this image is the idea that salvation rests on some sort of status. The idea that salvation rests on some sort of status. What's being rejected is the presumption that because I'm part of this group of people or I'm this ethnicity, or I've made these accomplishments. I don't have to worry now. I got it in the bag. Salvation is mine. That's what's being rejected. It's good news. It's Jesus' response, is good news to reject that because it opens it up. One's not excluded for superficial reasons, like being part of a certain group or having certain talents or having a certain personality. That's all rejected. The man comes to Jesus and asks, who will be saved? Just us few, the chosen nation, this certain group of people? The response, no, not just you. And don't rely on that. Don't rely on your little status. Don't rely on on physical nearness. Don't presume on it. Strive to enter the narrow way. Now, what's this narrow way? What's he talking about? You'll remember that the gospel gets going with this statement. Jesus passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. That's how it all gets started. The gospel states he's on his way to Jerusalem and teaching and preaching. The irony of this whole conversation as Jesus is asked about salvation is Jesus is on his way to accomplish salvation. As he's being asked about this, as he's responding, he's going to do it. He's walking the narrow way. He's entering the narrow gate, going to the cross to die and to rise. As he goes to accomplish salvation, some try to stop him. Some call him crazy. Some try to make him into something that he's not like a leader of a rebellion. And some just outright dismiss him. But Jesus still walks the narrow way. He still goes to Jerusalem. And the narrow way then for all of us is to go to Jerusalem with Jesus. It's not about numbers. The narrow way isn't about numbers. It's not some kind of Pelagian on my own effort or on my own accomplishments. It's about going to Jerusalem with Jesus. As Jesus says elsewhere, to pick up your cross daily and to follow me. Discipleship with Jesus, to follow Jesus. That's what the narrow way is about. Not about numbers, not simply about effort, efforts involved of course, but about discipleship with Jesus. Jesus' response then, no, not just you, don't presume on that, don't try to guess how and when and how many and who, just follow me. You can trust in that, that's your sure way. The basis for salvation The basis for salvation, not some sort of status, not resting on laurels, not resting on accomplishments, but it's following Jesus. That's his answer. I have to admit that thinking about all of this this week has made me think a little more deeply about some comments I get a lot as a priest, maybe too deeply, (laughs) Uh, maybe I've read into it too much, but I do think there's something to it. Often, often as a priest, I, I hear stuff like this. That stuff, that Jesus stuff, that religion stuff, it's not for me, Father. It's not for me. That's for you. You're, you're the expert there. Just pray for me. I'm a lost cause. I hear stuff like that all the time. And, of course, they say it in a joking manner, so I'm not trying to condemn them or anything. But there is something troubling. And every time I hear it, I'm, I'm troubled a little bit. Because Jesus' answer today is no. No, it's not just for these chosen people, not even just for priests or something. It's precisely the opposite. It's for you. Discipleship with Jesus is for you. Holiness, the universal call to holiness, is for you. It opens it up, Jesus' answer. As Jesus puts it in today's gospel, many will come. From the east and from the west, where I'm from, out GlenOllen Way, right? From the east, from, even from Fargo, out west, even from Glenallan, right? And from the north and from the south, from all over, from all walks of life, from all sorts of jobs, from all sorts of age, ages and countries, many will come from all over. And on the other hand, this idea so on the first part This idea, well, this isn't for me. That's for you. You're the religion guy. No, it's for you. Universal call to holiness. It's for you. And then on the other hand, if I ever started thinking like that, if I ever started thinking like that, religion is my thing because I'm a priest. Religion is my thing. I'd be in a lot of trouble. I can't rest on priestly status any more than the guy speaking the Jesus in the gospel today can rest on his ethnic and religious status. I'll be saved or not saved on the same basis, the same answer that Jesus recommends to everyone else, discipleship with Jesus. So the two answers that are not the right answers, on the one hand, presumption, The idea that I can be assured definitively because of my accomplishes or my status. That's not the right answer. Nor, on the other hand, doubt. It's not for me. This thing isn't for me. That sort of doubt or or an anxiety. I don't know. That's not the right answer either. It's precisely for you. The invitation is precisely for you. The answer Jesus gives to the question, how many will be saved, is not a number. The answer is discipleship with Jesus. The attitude of heart is not presumption, but it's gratitude. God doesn't have to save. He's not forced to somehow, but he chooses to, out of generosity and out of goodness. And so we respond with gratitude, not presumption. The attitude of heart is not doubt, but it's trust trust in Jesus' goodness and in his mercy and in his power to save. We can base ourselves on that and on that alone. That's enough.